Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Cycle Podcast, episode five. Um, trying to sound upbeat on this podcast, but if you're listening to this and you are in the month of January, February, March, April, May, depending on where you are in the country, it's March 21st right now, and um, we're pretty much locked in here in Michigan due to the coronavirus, and I'm doing my best I can to stay positive, and I hope you guys are as well. Um, I've been reading and trying to stay off social media, working on podcast stuff, and um, just trying to stay busy and positive and connecting with a lot of people. So I may increase the amount of podcasts that I'm producing this year, depending on how long um, our quarantine does go. So if you are in a part of the country that's not being under quarantine or you are moving forward because your country's coming out of it, that is amazing and we look forward to that time here in the U.S. Anyway, back to the podcast. Thank you again for listening and being here. Today we talked to Dora. She is in Southern California. She has stage one endometriosis and she tells her story. Definitely a different story than we've heard before in the podcast. And I do want to let you know that we do talk about pregnancy and some other things involved with pregnancy. And if that is something that you are sensitive to, this may be a podcast that you want to skip. Um, yeah. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for being here. And if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. Um, especially during these hard times, I think we all just need to stick together. So if you enjoy this podcast at all, if you could rate me in the Apple, Apple iPod, I can never say this right, you guys, for real. I'm, I was just going to delete this and start over, but I'm not going to start over. It is po- Apple Podcasts. I always want to say iTunes, but it's not iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts. I would love a review there. And actually, I've heard some other podcasters do this. If you have any questions or like topics to be covered, you can leave them in the review. So even if you don't like the podcast and you leave a, a poor review, but you have something you wish I would cover or feedback, please leave it there. That would be really wonderful. And I will start making sure that I check that diligently every week. Okay. I've chatted with you enough. Let's get on to the show. Thank you again for listening and please stay well. Dora, she is from California, and I'm really grateful to have you here today, Dora. Thank you so much. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, hello, everybody. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. Really excited. And so, yes, as you said, my name is Dora. I live in Southern California. Um, I am a 32, which really I should start saying 33 because exactly a month from today I will be 33 (laughs) happy almost birthday thank you so yes 33 I am married um we've been married about four and a half years my wonderful husband James um and as you know with a lot of our endo stories this started long long ago (laughs) way back yeah way back when um so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of dig into that a little bit and kind of give my experience and my perspective and hopefully it'll 
help somebody out there as well. Well, we really appreciate you being so brave and sharing your story with all of us. And, you know, we will just start from the top. So when did you first start your period? So I first got my period, I believe I was um, 10 years old. But if my memory serves me right, I believe it was maybe like a month or two before I turned 11. So it was like right there at the cusp. Um, the good thing for me is that my mom was always very open and she always um, talked about menstruation and what that would be like and that that was something I should just know um, that it was part of being a woman and so when it came I wasn't shocked um, and she kind of also always warned me like it's gonna feel different than like a stomach ache you know you'll know you will know <laughs> that there's a different type of pain happening um and it actually happened um when I was in school I was in class I was in the middle of the day and I could feel like this doesn't feel normal there's you know it's Mm -hmm. painful in a different way um and I remember telling my teacher they ended up calling my mom she came and got me we went back home and even that first time was very painful um as I'm sure it probably is the first time because your body is adjusting but it just didn't seem normal. Um, And even my mom was like, well, you know, just take some some Tylenol and like, you'll be fine. And even that first time I remember I had a hard time getting myself off the toilet. Like I just, (laughs) I could not get up. Um, And I think I sat there for maybe an hour and she was like, you just, you have to get up. Like this is what it's like to have a period. And this is what women deal with and it's painful, but kind of like too bad, so sad. Like you just have to force yourself to continue your life. Right. And so I just got up and dealt with the pain. Um, and that continued. Um, every period I got after then, it was always painful um, to the point where I felt like, you know, the Tylenol, the Advil, all of that didn't really make a difference. Um I would take it and my mom's like, well, you know, it's been an hour or two, like you should feel better. And I'm like, I don't. Um, And I'm not exaggerating. Like, I just don't feel any better. Um, The only thing that would help would be, um, as you know, like heating pads and teas and just really trying not to move (laughs) and finding a spot that just feels comfortable to your body. Um, And uh, thankfully, one of my aunts is a nurse and sometimes she would come and give me like an injection of something a little bit more potent and that would help. Um, But over time, I just learned how to deal with the pain. Right. You Um, managed it. You managed the pain. And did your mom ever, I mean, mentioned, obviously probably didn't know what endometriosis was, Mm -hmm. but did she ever say like, I also had painful periods or like, you know, this is normal. This is, I mean, you kind of mentioned that she did. Yeah. Yeah. And so for her, her periods were actually irregular. So and she's always had irregular periods her entire adult life. Um, And they weren't as painful for her. So I don't think she has endo. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, ever since I've been diagnosed, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but um, we've kind of been talking to family members and we have yet to find anybody who has it. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. That's yeah. not that uncommon yeah. though. I mean, that's mm-hmm. definitely possible. Okay. So now it's middle yeah. school, high school, you're dealing with this pain, mm-hmm. you're finding a way to live with it, which so many women yeah. with endometriosis, we kind of 
adjust our lives around mm-hmm. it. And then yes, and that's what you hear. Yeah, right. Like just deal with it. It's normal. And right. You just you kind of one of the unlucky ones, right? Like, I just some people get it worse than others. And just you have to continue your life. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so was there ever a point where you're like, this isn't normal, or you were missing engagements in high school, and, and something clicked? Like, I don't know that my friends are not feeling this sick. Like, what is going on? Yeah, so probably around middle school, I think when I was maybe like 12 or 13, is when even my mom started to get a little worried because my periods were always long and heavy. So probably maybe like seven or eight days, I would believe. And like all days were heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, how is it so heavy? And then she noticed that I would bleed through my my pads or my clothes quite often. And at first it was kind of like, well, you're just maybe you're learning or you're not doing this properly. And it's like, well, no, it's been a couple of years now that I've had my period. So I think I know, you know, how to wear a pad correctly, how to change it, when to change it. It's just Sometimes it would, you know, it just gushes out. Right. Like, what are you, right. you going to do? It just can't keep one of up with it. We can't control. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, she got concerned more because of the blood loss. And we did go to the doctor. And the doctor we met with said, well, you know, because of the blood loss, I think you're probably going to, you're, you're anemic. So just take some iron. Um, and typically, he recommended what everybody else recommends, which was birth control. Of course. Um, was this a so, family doctor or OBGYN? No, no. Um, it was, um, I think it might have been an OB. Okay. I don't remember. Sure. Um, yeah. And because after that, we only met with him that one time and we were like, we're not coming back. He clearly doesn't. I don't think he understands. Right. Um, and I was, like I said, I was around 13. So my mom was just like, yeah, we're not going to put her on birth control at 13 um and he even said was like you know she it is kind of early but the best we can do to manage you know how heavy and pain would be birth control and maybe when she's 15 16 you can consider that route um but for now it's just like take the iron supplements and um you know take take tylenol take advil and right right like just good luck (laughs) and that was the best that they could offer us at that time. Um, and so fast, fast forwarding to, to high school, that is when I personally started to realize kind of that something was not, uh, I mean, I already knew, but even more so, like you said, you start talking to other women and they're like, oh, I had my period three days. You know? right. and, it's and, and they're like at school. Yeah. I'm like, wait, how are you at yeah. school? Like I'm literally vomiting and laying on the bathroom floor for my period. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Yes. And I would tell them, you know, oh, um, I carry like a lot of pads or sometimes you start to find kind of like trick, right? So yeah. I would, for example, I would wear like a double pad. Mm-hmm. So I knew that like, okay, between periods, especially in high school, at least here in the United States, if somebody's listening, you know, from somewhere else, um, you have like those six periods back to back, and you only have 10 minutes between each class. Um, so sometimes your classes aren't close together. And so all of those things are things you start to think about that other people don't, right? <laughs> like, how am I going to make it from one class to the next without bleeding through? Yep. Um, and making sure that I am changing my pad in time. And like, where do you keep it? Like, do I put it in my jacket? Do I put it in my backpack? And like, all of these little adjustments that you just start to make and become normal to you, because you have no other choice. And I'm looking around, and I don't see other girls 
doing the same thing. They're like, oh, you know, I carry one pad a day right. or I change once a day. And I'm like, what? You don't change every hour? Right. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. What? Right. Yeah. Um, or even just the pain. Um, I just, that same way that I learned to adjust with, you know, putting pads on and changing and all of that is the same way I just adjusted my life um I kind of thankfully I was regular so I knew right around when my period would come and I would just disengage at that point and would not commit to anything um if there was something happening my friends were going somewhere I would just make up any excuse um to know that like I just wouldn't go um, because I knew this was going to happen and I wasn't going to be able to be out and about like everybody else. Like, for example, if we were going to go to a theme park. Like that was probably not a good situation. If it's like my first or second day of my cycle, mm-hmm. um, it's probably going to be the heaviest. I'm also probably going to be kind of bent over with pain. So I'm going to have to skip that trip. And I just would make those adjustments regularly. Right, right. And then in addition to cramps and pain and heavy bleeding did you have any other symptoms too did you have any like nausea bowel symptoms that you can remember I know this is a long time ago Mm -hmm. but you know I did that age didn't know it was all related but I definitely had always had bowel symptoms yeah thankfully I did not it was just the pain in my abdomen that was would it would just like bend me over and I just a lot of times I felt like I couldn't get up um, and I couldn't move. Um, and that was mostly what I felt was just in my abdomen, lots of pain. Um, I, the other symptoms I usually would like will have are maybe um, headaches mm-hmm. um, or even now looking back, I can also see that certain foods um, would irritate my my um my menstruation like during that time either right before it was going to happen or during or after um but those were things that I wasn't really keeping track of at the for time for sure because um, you didn't think anything most, was wrong mm-hmm. yeah no and everybody just kept saying it was normal, normal. exactly uh, yeah exactly it's normal it's normal right don't think about this is it. your life it's only a few days yep. yeah it's only a few days yeah and you know it'll be over in a week and then just continue and so that's what I, that's what I thought I had so to do. So you adjust your life, you, you live with it, like most of us do. What happens to kind of next, like in the story? So finally, around, I think I was maybe 19, when I started to become sexually active. And then that's what changed things a little bit, because that's when I decided to go on birth control for that reason, not anything to really do with my period. It was more just to prevent pregnancy. Right. Um, and so I went on the pill and I think I was on it for about two or three, maybe two years. Um, and during that time, I did feel like my period wasn't as heavy or as long, but not by a lot. So, you know, before maybe I was, having a cycle that was like seven to eight days and maybe now it was like five to seven how was your pain the pain was pretty much the same yeah 
Um, it, it kind of here and there every now and then maybe there was a month where it was better than others but I don't know that it was the pill I might say that it might have been you know whatever my lifestyle was at the sure. time and the reason I say that too is because I did go off the pill for a while and that was fine because I wasn't sexually active so I just didn't want to take medication I didn't right. need um, and so for about another two years I wasn't on it then I went back on it for another two or three years and at that point I decided to change my diet just for health purposes and I had some friends who were vegetarian and they were like you know it you do feel better and it, it might you know try it and see if it's something that you feel works for you um, and so I did that for a few months and that's when I felt the biggest difference um, the combination, I think, of probably being on the birth control and also changing my diet during that period of time is when I didn't have as many flare-ups and um, I just felt better overall. So I think food, at least for me in my case, in my endo, it does make a huge difference sure. in how I feel. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Okay. And now are you in college? Are you out of college? Yeah, so I'm in college, um, you know, and I just get off the pill again. Um, and, every, you know, all those symptoms are back. Um, right. The heavy, heavier periods, which never really completely went away. Um, the pain just on and off. But now that I'm not on the pill, and then I wasn't a vegetarian anymore, I kind of let that go. Um, it kind of all just came back with the vengeance. Yep. <laughs> And, you know, the same amount of pain I was experiencing when I was 10, I was experiencing now at like 23. Right. No difference in how um, the length of my cycles and how much I, I was bleeding, like everything was exactly the same. Um, and so at that point is when I had met my now husband and we kind of... Um, decided because I, I at that point too I kind of felt like my body was reacting weird to birth control mm -hmm. um like the hormones I started to feel like something wasn't right yes. um and I decided you know I think I've been on this on and off this pill for too long and I've heard of people having a reaction to the hormones and also you know this was given to me when I was 19 now I'm like 23 24 yeah. so maybe also my body's changed and maybe I need something else so I did go back to the um, OBGYN and they switched me to like the Nuva ring. We tried other mm -hmm. methods, but nothing seemed to make me feel right. I just did not feel like myself. Right. I, um, completely I, said, yeah. I completely understand that. Yeah. Completely understand that. Yeah. And at that point I said, you know what? No, I think birth control for me, it's just, it's just not for me. My body's not reacting to it like it used to. And I just need to, to back off. Um, Did you have pain in between your periods? If you look back now, like, were you, yes. were you having just like constant pains as you started to get into your upper twenties? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, I definitely did. Um, they kind of, I would cramp the same way I would, um, when I was on my cycle, um, and it was random. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think now thinking back, it was a lot of it is like the, the food, and what you're consuming right because um, you were having flare that affects and you. you didn't even know yes. you were having flare-ups because exactly. you didn't know you had endometriosis mm -hmm. 
nope, did right. not. And I just kept eating things that I shouldn't have been eating. Um, right. And I always did feel like food affected my body. Like there was something in the back of my head that was like, hey, right. you know, kind of like when you eat this greasy food. Right. Your intuition. <laughs> later knew. on. Yeah. yeah. You're kind of paying for it a few hours later. But in the moment, you're like, well, I feel fine eating it. So maybe it's something and it else. It tastes so right? good and going in. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you're just like, no, it's fine. And, you know, the excuses you make just yeah. because you want to be normal yes. and you don't want to have to deal with whatever this might be. Um, and at the same time, when you have been expressing that you are having issues or that there's pain, even with the doctor, you have this doctor sitting in front of you telling you you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. And this is normal. Right. And just deal with it. And so eventually you start to believe those lies. Of course. You start to second guess your own gut Right, because you that, trust your okay. doctor. This is a medical professional that's trained mm-hmm. and it's hard to not understand that. So in all this time getting the birth control too, I'm assuming nobody ever brought up the word endometriosis to you. Nope. <laughs> no, nothing. Okay. They were just like heavy yep. periods are heavy periods. Pain is pain. Right take the pill it works for some people it doesn't work for others and again like you just shoot out the door good luck right um you know see you later and so things started to change for me around 2014 which is when uh my husband and I started dating and like I said the birth control just wasn't working so we ended up getting married in 2015 And at that point, we were like, you know, we would like to have a family at some point. Um, And so we need to start exploring that idea um, because I'm not getting any younger. I was 28 at the time. Um, And we're like, you know, we have probably a couple of years here where we can try and make this happen. Um, And, and, you know, let's, let's see how it goes. Well, we weren't on it. I wasn't on anything. We weren't using any type of contraceptive um, for about a year or two and nothing was happening. Right. Um, I wasn't getting pregnant and we're like, well, this isn't normal. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think this is normal. Um, So I decided at that point to really take the time to meet with a doctor and talk to somebody and like, Hey, I think, you know, something something's up and I kind of think I always knew something would be wrong um you you know you just kind of have that gut Mm -hmm. feeling about your body and how it's reacting and I just knew that this wasn't going to be easy for us so I finally went back to the doctor it was I think 2017 now and they kept running tests I think I saw like three or four different OBGYNs and they all kept saying um yeast infection Mm. Um, you also, um, might have, uh, or maybe, well, because, sorry, I should probably back up a little bit. The other issue that I started having after I went off the birth control, which I never had this issue before. And I think after my body detox and the endo had its, you know, the ability to kind of do its thing and wreak havoc in my yes. body more freely, um, I started to experience pain, um, uh, with sex. Okay. And that was something that I didn't ever experience before. Um, and so I'm like, okay, that's also not normal. Um, 
So we, you know, I kind of need to talk to somebody. So in those conversations is when they're like, oh, well, if, if you have pain, um, and it was more, more like, and, you know, I'll kind of be a little bit explicit about this, just in case anybody out there is maybe experiencing something similar. If this is you, the way it uh, manifests itself in me is after sex, I feel kind of like you would a yeast infection, kind of like a burning sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes away. Right. So it doesn't right. last forever, but I feel it. Um, and then after sometimes it could be a few minutes, sometimes it might be an hour um, and then it's gone. Right. So it just didn't make right. sense. No, not at all. <laughs> and that's a very helpful yeah. tip that people probably don't talk about. Yes. And so I went to the OB and the first one I saw was a female and she was like, well, yeast infection. And I'm like, I've had a yeast infection before. This isn't right. It. <laughs> You're like, I know what that feels yeah. like. Yeah. Um, or UTI. And I was like, no, I've also had that. I've treated it before. No, also not that. Um, and then they started to think maybe um, sperm allergy. And so they started running all these tests, you know, um, take this uh, extra strength medication for a yeast infection. You know, they run cultures, run everything that they that they do, you know, with the pap smear and ever, all of that. Um, and everything just kept coming back negative because none of those were the right. issues. Uh, and, you know, they would put me on, you know, medicine for all of that and check back a week later. And I'm like, the symptoms are right. still there. Nothing's right. changed. Like, this isn't helping. And after the, the fourth doctor, I kind of gave up and was like, you know what? They don't get it. They don't understand. Um, this is just something... I'm going to have to somehow figure out on my own, um, maybe do some research um, and then go and present my research to a doctor and see if maybe at that point they'll listen to me um, because I just don't think that they're looking at the right thing. And so for another year or so, I just kind of let that go, didn't really go to the doctor anymore and started doing some research, um, but all I could find with like my symptoms with sex were other things, not necessarily endo. Right. Um, I don't remember what came up, but it wasn't endo related. And so I kept thinking, okay, maybe I have this, maybe I have that, maybe it is a sperm allergy, maybe, and just kind of not really being able to put my finger on anything because some things kind of look like what I was feeling, but not completely. Right. And you didn't think to put it together with heavy periods and painful mm-hmm. cramps. Like it just yes, yes, seems like a separate mm-hmm. issue, right? Yes. I didn't ever think that they were related at all, especially because I had been sexually active before and I never had that right. issue. So I thought it was something new. Like I just did not ever think to kind of put the two of together. And so we just kind of live like that, um, which already even with heavy periods and the pain that you feel, it's already mentally and physically exhausting for you yeah. as an individual. But if you are in a relationship, you know, whether they're your spouse or just your boyfriend or girlfriend, it puts a strain on the other person, too, that I think a lot of people don't talk about. And I'm so grateful that you've mentioned this on the podcast um, a couple of times about mental health and just how that does play a huge role in this disease just because it's taxing yeah. 
it's so so taxing especially when you don't have answers and you don't know how to explain it to other people because a lot of us don't have a diagnosis right away and how do you tell people something's wrong but I don't know what and I've gone to the doctor and they tell me I'm crazy right (laughs) but then other people start to think (laughs) you're crazy too and that's not fair people Mm -hmm. immediately go to judging and I've caught myself doing it, not endo related, but even, you know, someone like it's just in our human nature, which is wrong. Empathy is really the way that we need to go. But right. When you don't have a diagnosis or something to say, and you're like, something's wrong. And people are like, oh, she's just being dramatic, you know? And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not being dramatic. I know my intuition is right. Like I know something is wrong here and you knew something was wrong. It was just, you were unfortunately not having any help getting you down the right path to figure out what it was. Yes. And eventually I also felt like maybe I wasn't that crazy because my husband, you know, once we were married and living together, even he started to notice and was just like, yeah, this doesn't seem normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, the amount that you bleed also how much pain that you're in. I mean, there, there have been nights where I would get up in the middle of the night from the pain Um, And he would find me in the living room in tears with a cup of tea and, you know, a heating pad. And he's like, oh, my gosh, like, are you okay? Like, what's happening? To the point where it became a norm. Like, he already knew. So I got up in the middle of the night and I was, you know, popping a pill for the first time (laughs) in two months. And, you know, in tears in the corner, he already knew what it was. He's like going Um, to find a heating pad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, He's like, can I make you another cup of tea? And it just, it it becomes part of your life. Um, And it's it's, very hard. You're newlyweds. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. newlyweds and this Mm -hmm. is supposed to be such like a blissful time and all of that. And, And I'm sure there was a lot of good times too, but these are the things that happen behind closed doors that nobody talks about, you know, and my story is very similar I started dating my husband and that's when I started to get really sick poor guy like you know Mm -hmm. I was like oh I have to go fly to a different state to have surgery and he's like we're a year into dating and he's like what and I'm like yeah Mm -hmm. will you come with me like I mean how intense (laughs) is that for someone you like are just really starting to get to know essentially but that's, he sounds very, very sweet. And I'm glad that he pointed out, like, there's something wrong here. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is also the guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard not to feel guilty that you kind of are a burden yes. in a way to somebody else. Because even the days where you might be able to deal with the pain still mentally, like you're lashing out because you're just in pain. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you could say something to me and I'm just like, not right now. <laughs> like, I know I look physically, I look like I'm okay. And that's part of this disease that physically, outwardly, people look at you and you, they think you're fine. But really what they don't know is that you're grinding, mm-hmm. you know, you're like grinding mm-hmm. your teeth and you're holding it together. Yes for the next 30 minutes or hour because you have to not because you want to um and it's just hard to explain to somebody else who can't really see the pain that you're in um how much effort is going in on your behalf to be standing there or sitting there or having a conversation well I don't even think Um, we know how much we're doing to a like avoid that pain or get through that pain because I notice that sometimes too, especially when it's bad and I'm just pushing myself really hard. 
my fuse is so much shorter. And that's not the type of person I am in real life. Like in real life, Mm -hmm. I try to be like very patient and compassionate and empathetic, but sometimes I notice too, I, I get like a little snippy or a snap and I'm just like, what the, this is not me. And I realize that I've been standing too long or I'm trying to push it or I've Mm -hmm. been, I'm exhausted, but I'm still going, going, going. And it's, it's something that, right. And we push ourselves too, but I agree with you. People can't see it. And there are times where I've been embarrassed Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I have to leave work right now. And people are like, what? Like, do you have a flu? Do you have a cold? And, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm in so much pain. I physically don't think I'll be able to drive home if I stay here any longer. And it's such a, it's such an important point that I'm glad that you brought up because that's something that we really need to get out into the, into the community and into society is like, just because we look normal doesn't mean how we feel inside. You can't see it. If we had a gaping wound on our arm, you would be telling us to go mm-hmm. to the hospital and it's essentially the same type of thing in pain. Yes. And that's why it's also good. I think, you know, for those who might just be going through this for the first time, or even if you've been, you know, diagnosed for a while, it's surrounding yourself with others who, who kind of get it or who are willing to be a support system because, What's helped me now is that, you know, my husband and I have been married, like I said, four and a half years. So we're in a groove and he understands. And so there's times where he can tell now and he's just like, okay, well, you need to stop (laughs) and you need to sit down (laughs) because I can tell like that you're probably in pain and you're just trying to move past it and you need to rest. Like you just, it's okay. I'll take care of it. You know, I'll go get the laundry. I'll, you know, do the dishes. Um, and he's really, thankfully, I'm so grateful for him that he's able to tell me that and just give me those moments when I need them. Because sometimes it's hard to do that for yourself, especially when you've been doing this for so long and dealing with pain for this long. I think a lot of us become so independent and so self-sufficient mm-hmm. because you kind of have to, um, since nobody else really believes you and it's not something that's very common or that people really understand and the awareness is just getting out there now um that you just kind of learn how to deal with it in other ways and like you said it's not like yeah it's not like we want to be you know snippy or or whatever but we're constantly fighting and that's what people don't see Mm -hmm. is every single day is a fight and I still have I I'm a a massive guilt all of the time and I'm you know as someone who is an advocate for this disease and talk about it I still struggle with the the burden and the advocacy and, and all of it because yeah. I don't want to ask my husband for help because I already feel that he does mm-hmm. so much. So like if I really needed my heating pad heated up because I use one that's in the microwave or I, I really mm-hmm. don't feel good, but I would love some crackers or something instead of just asking, I always push myself mm-hmm to just do it myself. And then in turn, it's, you know, it's not good for me and he's willing to do it. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes it's just, we have to ask and, and I already feel so guilty and I already feel like such a burden. I have a hard time asking. And I'm really trying to work Mm -hmm. on that. But I think that touches on the point of what you're saying is like for the people who are listening, like it's not your fault that you're sick and people who love you want to help. It's just, we have to communicate mm-hmm. what we need. And I think we have a hard time doing that because we already carry such massive guilt. 
Yes. And, and use, use the tools around you. Um, you know, for example, this podcast has been super helpful. I've sent this to others who have and don't have endo so that they can try and understand. Um, I find articles online that I feel like maybe really break down what endometriosis is um, and what we know so far. And so somebody asks me, you know, well, you were diagnosed, you know, what does that mean? And then I'll send them a link to an article. um, And I'm like, hey, read this. And if you have any questions, let me know. Just, you know, to try and do my part to make others aware around me and also to try and build that support the best that I can some people unfortunately are going to get it and some are not (laughs) but the best you can do is try and explain it to others um, and let them kind of you know decide and just hope that they'll come around and see that this isn't make-believe this isn't something that you're exaggerating that this is real and it affects every part of you um, like I said mentally and physically and that we really are trying to do our best yeah. <laughs> given the situation. 100%, 100%. Okay. So now take me back. It's like 2017. You're done seeing doctors. You're mm-hmm. frustrated. What mm-hmm. happens after that? So like I said, we had been, you know, trying to conceive and um, we just kind of decided, you know what, if it happens, it happens. We're just kind of like, leave it alone we're not going to do anything um and we're not you know and even during this whole time we weren't really like um necessarily trying um like I wasn't doing any of the um any of the strips fertility strips or anything like that uh we were just kind of like rolling the dice and uh it was October of 2018 that I ended up um pregnant it was, and I didn't find out till November. So around Thanksgiving, I was supposed to get my period. And I noticed that I had the cramps, but nothing was happening. Um, and then a few days after, I started to notice some spotting. And the spotting was on and off, on and off. And that was not like me. And especially we have endo, you're not going to be spotting for like right. a few days. It's like, it's coming, it right. comes, it comes. So um, that was not, it just wasn't the usual thing. So at that point, I was like, I wonder, let me take a test. So I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. Um, And we went to the doctor, actually ended up going to the, um, the emergency room because of the bleeding and the spotting that was on and off, on and off. And they figured that maybe it was uh, a miscarriage. And so they ran some tests. Um, They took, for those who might have already, you know, gone through a pregnancy, the HCG level. So that basically is like the hormone um, in your, that your body produces when you're pregnant. And that lets them know, you know, if you are. And also that hormone needs to progress on like double every two or three days if it's going to be a viable pregnancy. So they had me do blood work and they did an ultrasound because I wasn't keeping track. We weren't sure how far along I was. Um, And so they did an ultrasound. They couldn't really see anything. Um, They kept asking me here. Here's the kicker though. They kept asking me if I was in pain. Um, You know, do you feel pain on a scale from one to 10? Um, And if you feel any pain, is it on one side? And also, is it worse than your period? Well, (laughs) you're like, wrong question. (laughs) Yeah, somebody was endo, like, 
well no nothing no. worse than that so I kept saying no I'm not I don't really have any pain I mean I felt some discomfort but like compared right. to my period like this is a right. walk in the park I was just like no I, I mean I feel fine I was still going to work like I said I felt uncomfortable and they're just like well you know what your levels are somewhat rising. We really think it's just going to be a miscarriage. And there's nothing really you can do other than just let your body do what it needs to do. Well, that went on for about a week. And uh, it turned really dark because December, I believe it was the 7th. Um, yeah, I think it was the 7th. It was like a Friday, Friday night. Um, I went to work came back home and I just was not feeling so great and my husband um, had a prior commitment and he's like well do you want me to stay home I said no it's fine you know just go I'm just gonna go to sleep if you know if this is gonna happen tonight or tomorrow um, it's gonna happen like with a miscarriage um, they're telling me there's not much I can do and my body will just take care of it so I, I think I'll be fine I'll just at this point, are you, are uh-huh. you for sure thinking you're going to have a miscarriage or you already yes. know that? Cause that's what fact. I think. That's what I keep hearing okay. from the doctors. Okay. That's what I keep hearing. That's what I keep hearing. That's their right. diagnosis. So that night around, I don't know, maybe like 10 or 11, I get up because I feel like I need to use the restroom and I basically don't make it. I feel so much there all of a sudden there's this surge of pain um all over my body like almost like an explosion and so I end up passing out I end up passing out by myself (laughs) and I by the grace of God I wake up a couple minutes later um and I realize that I just passed out but I wake up and I'm not really feeling any pain I'm just like in a cold sweat and I all I can think of is I need to get to the hospital like, I need to get to the hospital, something's happening, and if this is what a miscarriage feels like, it needs to happen in, like, right. you know, uh, like a, a hospital setting. So I, now knowing what I know, I wouldn't have done this, but um, at the time, I didn't know what was happening. So I grab my keys, um, I call my husband, I tell him, hey, I just passed out, I'm, I'm going to the doctor right now. Thankfully, the hospital for me is, like, literally 10 minutes, um, so it's not very far. Um, and because I had been to the emergency room before I knew exactly where to go, uh, I show up, I tell them, you know, I'm pregnant, I pass out, they start running all of these tests, we're there, my husband meets me at the hospital, um, and it's just been, you know, um, the general doctor coming in to see me, and they still don't know what's happening. So they have me hooked up to everything, they're drawing blood, they're doing all of this stuff, and they're just like, well, are you in pain? And I'm like, no, I was. The minute that I felt that is when I passed out. And so now I'm not, I'm not in pain. Were you bleeding? Fine. fine. Um, just, just the spotting, spotting. on okay. and off. Okay. The same. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, they finally, after being there for like almost an hour, they get an actual OBGYN to come and see me. She brings in an ultrasound machine and she doesn't even turn it on. She takes one look at me. She touches my abdomen and she goes, you had an ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Never heard that mm-hmm. in my life. Have no idea what ectopic is. And she's like, you need emergency surgery right now because you're going to die if we oh don't. Oh, my gosh. Um, I had a liter <gasps> of blood in my stomach. Oh, my goodness. I was 
so close to a blood transfusion. They were in awe that I wasn't in tears or in any type of pain. Um, they couldn't explain how I wasn't in pain before or in pain after. Um, they were like, why are you not? In you pain? were like, because I have a high <laughs> pain tolerance because I have endometriosis. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So all of that scary stuff that happened, um, you know, long story short, I did go into um, surgery with that doctor. She explained to me, you know, what would happen, um, that they would just extract the, the embryo and clean everything up. And hopefully I didn't need a blood transfusion. It was on my left fallopian tube. So I did lose my left fallopian tube um, and that hopefully there wasn't other damage and that they were going to try and keep things, right. you know, as clean and good as possible. Um, I believe it was like a two or three hour surgery. Um, it was a nightmare for sure. The recovery was very, very difficult because it's basically the same type of surgery that you would have mm -hmm. for endo um, because they do make the same right. incisions. Um, and so they went, you know, through my belly button and then on the side of my stomach and then at the bottom close to my pelvic area. Um, but here is where things changed for me because I, I am just so, so blessed that that doctor was on call that night and that she was um, the one who came to see me because when I had my follow-up um, appointment with her after the surgery, she is the one who said, did you know you have mm -hmm. endometriosis? And she could recognize that like, too. She and that's the other thing where I'm a hundred percent blessed. She does. Oh my goodness! Surgery. She is well versed. I know, right? What are the odds? She is one of the few who understands this disease, and she just said, "Yeah, here are the pictures." She showed me where the endo was in my uterus, um, and she said, "You need excision surgery." Like, yeah, you're like, oh, I just went through. <laughs> how are you, really quick though, how are yeah. you dealing emotionally with, were you guys, I mean, with the, you were pregnant and then, I mean, basically at yes. this point they're like, you're not going to have the baby even in the beginning and then the ectopic mm -hmm. pregnancy. Mm -hmm. At this point, are you guys just grateful, obviously, that you were okay, but were you dealing emotionally yes. with losing the baby or was it more about we need to figure out my health right now? A yeah. lot of things. So I'm, yes, I'm not dealing well with, you know, emotionally, not only with um, losing the baby, which I had time because I knew like this was right. not viable, just my body and everything. I knew that right. wasn't going well, um, but also feeling of guilt because once I was diagnosed, I, I would, they can't, the doctors can't tell me because obviously everything kind of happened backwards, but I'm a hundred percent certain. And now knowing how endo works, that there was probably endo blocking my, fallo oh, my fallopian tube. And so had I been right. diagnosed, had right. I known, it, this probably would have True. never happened. But because nobody would right. listen to me. And when you go, and this is another reason kind of why I wanted to share my story, because I feel that in the, um, in the health community, what doctors tell um, women all of the time is you have to try for a year. You have to try for a year, and then if you can't get pregnant, then we'll talk. But this is the problem when you don't 
do your due diligence ahead of time because if somebody like me who has endo and you know your fallopian tubes are blocked and ectopic pregnancy is a possibility and you're risking that person's life and so had they done it backwards and said let's see what the cost of all of these issues that Mm -hmm. you're having is then maybe we would have known hey that fallopian tube is blocked probably don't try to get pregnant because it right. could lead to an ectopic pregnancy also let if you do we're going to be on high alert for an ectopic right. pregnancy right um, and the fact that they didn't none even of that happened. find the ectopic pregnancy when you first initially mm-hmm. went to the er yep <clears throat> no they were just like no and a lot of it had to do with the pain tolerance. sure that's sure. what it came coming like circling right. back to that they kept just not understanding how a person could not be in pain, be experiencing, right. yeah, and right. not be in pain. Right. And I'm hmm. like, because well, you're so um, used to it, right. living. Okay, so she <laughs> yes. tells you you have endometriosis. You're like, what the heck is that? Mm-hmm. And what is excision surgery? <laughs> how does mm-hmm. the uh, yeah? And she and she even mentioned ablation too. She said, you know, there's two types. You do not want ablation. You want excision. And here's why you want excision. She's like an wow. eye performance. How surgery. lucky. Oh my and I'm goodness. like, yes. I'm like, wow. Okay. Um, it was a lot because she wanted to do yeah. it like now. And I'm like, well, let me recover because it's been right. like four weeks since the last time you went in there. Um, and, you know, she even said, you know, I didn't touch it for the reason that, you know, the blood and everything else that was going on, it was more important at that point to save your yes. life and not really the endo was something Later, to take care right. of that another time. And I mentioned to her the pain, you know, with, with sex. And she said, oh, endo. my goodness. She said, uh-huh. She said, no, she wasn't even surprised. She didn't even flinch. She said, yeah, everything you're telling me right now, endo, 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 oh, endo, right. endo. And you were like, <laughs> I knew it. That's you your answer. Like, I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I came home, you know, started doing more research, told my husband. I was definitely relieved to finally right. have an answer but you didn't know uh, and to have a you diagnosis didn't know what you're about yeah, to find but out I though no I did not um and at that point it's actually when I found your podcast as well I believe that because I met with her on January 4th of 2019 mm-hmm. uh and I believe that's when your it is. podcast yeah. started as well that's so yes. crazy. I was like chill yes. serendipitous yes Yes, all the stars wow. were aligning. And I started doing my research. I learned more about endo and what that meant and how that affects your body. And all of a sudden, ev- all the puzzle pieces, right? Like you start to think back and you're like, oh, yes, the food. Oh, oh yes, the pain. Oh, yeah. like everything just starts yeah. to make sense yeah. all of a sudden. And you just kind of put it all together. And I will say your you know because of all of the things that I was dealing with your podcast and all those other women who have been on the podcast who have shared their stories like it has truly 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 helped me um because there were a lot of moments where I felt mm-hmm. really alone yeah. but hearing that I wasn't you know there's other women who are having even if it's not the exact same experience but they understand Right. Well, thank you for saying, I mean, thank you very much for saying that. I know people come on and say that I'm not paying anyone to say these nice things about me. (laughs) No, she's not paying. (laughs) But I really, I I appreciate you saying that. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast was I, I've always felt 
maybe not alone because I've just felt it as a mission because I've known so long I've had the disease and I've seen it go from zero awareness to at least like 20% awareness, but that everyone's story is so different. But even if you can hear and take pieces from this person's story, or this person's story, and just even a tip or a trick, if your bladder is doing something weird or you're having bowel issues or mm-hmm. just like your story, it, everyone's got a different version of what's gotten happened to them. And you may not put it yeah. together until you hear someone else say it. And, and that's mm-hmm. was really my motivation to doing this is helping with awareness. So I'm so grateful that you found it and it helped. And I'm assuming you're going to tell me you have surgery next. Yes. And so I, I definitely, like I said, because of the podcast, there were a lot of tips and tricks that I've taken um, and have used um, in dealing with endo now and understanding what I have. So I was diagnosed with stage one. um, But that's another reason I wanted to kind of tell my story because I do feel just in hearing um, other women speak. And I know you've mentioned this before. I don't think that the stage that you have necessarily correlates. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially having gone through surgery now um, and the ectopic there's no way that my stage one is like, you know, the lowest of the pain because I wouldn't have been able to have no pain with all of these other things if my pain wasn't as bad as somebody who could possibly have. No, nope, absolutely. It's just the so, different volume of, of the lesions mm-hmm. and where they're at that it doesn't have mm-hmm. anything to, the pain can be the same. Everything can be the same. And if your tube was fully blocked, you know, that was removed Mm -hmm. and you know who knows how much endo could have been in there so Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and so I I like I said kind of going back to the podcast I started taking a lot of tips and tricks from there so I said okay I do need to change my diet and so I did start changing and I noticed a lot of differences and just um you know my food intake and really being aware okay like gluten something that doesn't work for me is dairy something that doesn't work for me and kind of trial and error um, also started using CBD oil, um, taking that right around, you know, my period. And that has helped with some of the pain. Uh, and just like all of those little tidbits that other women um, have shared have, you know, really been useful to me. And I've been able to kind of just do a lot of trial and error in my everyday life. And so that would be something I would say for others who are listening. Um, not everything that is mentioned is going to work for you, but just yeah. try it find out everybody, you know, everybody's going to react differently. Um, Keep a journal. I know you've mentioned this before of like what you're eating, do like a 30 day trial, and then just kind of, you know, take it from there. Because that's where I found the biggest difference. Um, But going back to the surgery. So she did say, you know, you need you need excision. Um, Think about it. Let me know. I called her back, probably like two months later. And unfortunately, she was leaving the hospital. So I have Kaiser. Um, and so she was leaving Kaiser to go to a different place. So I wouldn't be able to follow her because that's not where my insurance is. And so um, the good thing is I caught her, you know, before she decided to leave. And she said, well, don't worry. I know there's one other doctor okay. in the Kaiser network that does excision surgery. <laughs> and she's like, I will connect you with her um, and make sure that you meet with her and then, you know, explain the situation okay. to her. But even in this, I want to kind of, now that I'm remembering, mention that even doctors who 
understand endo, have mm-hmm. their own opinions. For example, when she diagnosed me, the way she kind of explained it and the way she looked at it was pain management. She told me from the beginning, excision surgery, this is not for fertility. That's not why I do this. I do this because we need mm-hmm. a better quality of life yeah. and pain management. Really, she's like, well, that's what I'm going to go in when I put this through to your uh, um, health insurance. That's what that's the reason why. Well, when I went to go see this other doctor who was also great, um, her whole thing was fertility. And so she was like, um, excision doesn't guarantee anything. Um, I don't know that it will help with pain management for pain management. I would recommend birth control um, and for fertility that's usually when I perform an excision surgery for endometriosis yeah so I got two completely different perspectives from two doctors in the same network who are pretty much very interesting and who have yeah and who have been doing this for a while so um, even that I would say mm-hmm. as a word of caution, you know, mm-hmm. kind of do your research um, and also stand your ground and know what is of value to you and your body and really listen to your body um, and yourself and that gut feeling that you have. Um, go with it. I explained to her, well, you know what? It, to me, it doesn't really matter. Do it. If that's why you want to do it for fertility, sure. Um, I'm not going to. She wanted me to go on birth control in the meantime while I waited for surgery. I said, no. Um, she's like, do you want me to prescribe you um, medication that's maybe a little bit more potent for when your period comes around? So you're not just doing the Tylenol. I said, no, I don't try, I try mm-hmm. not to take medication um, unless I absolutely have to. I, I do that very sparingly. So finally, I did get in to um, have surgery with her for excision. And this was in July of um, 2019. That went way better than my... Um, ectopic surgery because that point I had lost a lot of blood and there were other things um, and that was a nightmare but having excision surgery just exclusively for endo was actually not that bad the recovery I think I was okay after two amazing um yeah it was it was fine I went back to work um and she used the same Mm -hmm. incisions that I had already she just kind of reopened those um so she got it off of my uterus um, and said, you know, it's probably going to be a year before we start to see it kind of come back um, because, you know, endo never goes away. Um, so this isn't a solution. You'd probably need surgery again at some point. Um, but just so you're, you're aware. And so after that, my husband and I decided, well, right. this is the time. <laughs> if we're going to start trying to have children or start having a family, now is when we try and two months after surgery, I got pregnant. So I'm currently five months pregnant oh, with a little girl. Thank That's you. Great. And how are you feeling? How is your your pain? And yeah. did they say you had anamyosis by any chance? Okay. No, just the endo and just in the uterus. Um, that's the only place that they could see okay. any, any type of endo. Um, they cleaned that up. My other fallopian tube looked fine. Um, How were your periods before you my, got pregnant? Were they better? Um, okay. So, I only so had you were two still healing. Yeah. So you were right still healing. So they were bad. Yeah. So I was still. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, actually, not too bad. So the, I believe um, the first one was fine, and then or vice versa. I one of the two was like 
okay and the other one was not so great but it was also because I wasn't watching what I was eating and we mm-hmm. had a lot of parties a month like a couple of weddings and I had been drinking that's another thing like alcohol for me um, I have to avoid it um, especially oh. right before my period because yeah. it's just not gonna go well um, right and I so did you're it. in rough so shape I knew right that that was gonna happen oh yeah I knew that was gonna happen um, so I kind of got into a, a, a flow of, of what my body mm-hmm. does and how it reacts. Um, so that ended up being okay. And then obviously now being pregnant, I haven't had a period yet. Um, I am right. going to say I'm worried <laughs> a little bit because I'm like, what's going to happen? Is it going to come back with a vengeance? Is my body going to be all crazy? Because, um, you know, a lot of this disease is hormonal. So how's the adjustment and going back to a non-pregnant right. body, like how will it react? I still don't know. Um, I'm hoping because I have more knowledge and I kind of know how to feed my body and what it was reacting to previously that I could use that um, once I give birth and really try to get back in that right. group of things. And um, just just praying that that works. Um, but I, I don't right. I don't know what that's going to be like. However, I will say even right now being pregnant, I do still have some endo symptoms. Like there are foods and I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe because I'm pregnant, this could just be something you experience when you're pregnant. I don't know. It's my first pregnancy, but I do feel like certain foods do right. cause me some irritation, um, you know, like mm-hmm. things that are greasy and obviously I'm not drinking alcohol, but like um, or dairy and just stuff like that, that I that didn't sit well with me previously yeah, isn't yeah. sitting well with me now. So it hasn't been like a free right. for all, like, oh, I'm pregnant. And Donuts and eat ice and have everything. And... Yeah, I haven't. And I think also because I'm scared sure. of how my body is going to sure. react after, like, because yeah. it's still going to be in my system. So whatever I'm putting into my body now, there's a good chance that a couple months from now, right, there might be a reaction. And I don't want to have that no, flare up. Not I know it. what that Absolutely. feels like. And yeah, it's, it's not yeah. Worth well, it. mm-hmm. congratulations on getting pregnant, and that's wonderful. And I'm Thank I'm glad you. that you found that doctor, and you're feeling better. And you'll just have to see how everything goes after the pregnancy. You know, you never know. You may feel mm-hmm. a lot better, and and they've got the end. If she got mm-hmm. all the endo out, you'll feel great. I mean, there is no cure, but you still may feel a lot better than you did. So you'll just have to see. And it sounds like you're really in tune with what's going on. And I think that that's such a great tip for everyone listening to is you will find your own strategies that work through trial and error. And I really recommend doing that. It's difficult, but it, it does work. And keeping a food journal and a pain journal and all of that and kind of see cyclically, like for me, everything's cyclical. Mm -hmm. Um, what works and what, yes. what doesn't work. And yeah, if I drink, I immediately feel hungover. Even if I have one drink the next day, I feel like I mm-hmm. did 10 shots. Oh yeah. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, mm-hmm. but you know, I used to be able to do it, mm-hmm. but as I've gotten older, I just, I can't, I can't hang. And with the endo, it's, it's very difficult for me to drink, unfortunately, because I do enjoy a nice glass of wine. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's it's difficult. You have to kind of be able to let go of, yeah, of those, yeah. you know, pleasures yes. <laughs> that you've had before. Um, but it's so worth it. I will say it's hard. Um, it's taxing to yes. have to do the journals and to do a lot of trial and error. And also even like I know we we're talking about this with feeling guilty and being a burden, mm-hmm. like even going out to eat 
you know, mm-hmm. and maybe you go to a pizza place and everybody's having pizza and that's literally all that's on the menu. And you're like, oh, yep. I'm not really going to, yeah, I can't really have that. Um, not today. Um, and having to be the downer who's like, can we go somewhere else or eat previously mm-hmm. to showing up to the dinner, you know, like those types of things. And you kind of have to grow a bit of a tough skin and be okay with being judged by other people who might not understand and um, just yeah. know that it's not personal, that they just don't have the knowledge um, and maybe try and explain to them if they're open to it. And you just have to, at the end of the day, yeah, and they don't understand. Look, I've sat through fancy work dinners, it, eating nothing and drinking soda water with a lime multiple times. And I, at mm-hmm. in the beginning, I was, I felt awkward and I felt pressure. And then now I don't even care anymore. Like, I'm just like, whatever, I'll have a soda water with a lime and a piece of lettuce. Like, because for me, it's not worth Mm -hmm. it. And if they don't understand, they don't understand. I kind of got to a point where I just stopped caring. And it's hard in the beginning. And especially with like drinking and being social, because people will pressure you. um, Because they don't understand. And I don't want to say it's jealousy. But there is a point of like, when people are very disciplined, other people have a sense of jealousy. They don't mean to do it, but maybe it's something that they wish they could do. And so they're a little jealous that you have this crazy discipline, but they don't know what it's like to have a flare up and a flare up's not worth a drink or a piece of pizza ever in my book. Oh yeah. And when you have those moments where you don't experience the pain, it is like gold. You will be so excited and so happy that even writing those moments down in a journal or something or what can keep you from right, that right. Of pizza <laughs> later on down the road because it's just a reminder mm-hmm. of how good you felt and when you haven't felt right. good in so long um it just it makes a world of difference um because and I know we had mentioned this a little bit earlier like I still have uh and even not not when I was pregnant but even before surgery and all of that I would still have those days in between cycles where the food was affecting me and I would mm-hmm. have you know those cramps and the pain and I just would not feel good and I'd feel sick and it was from what I was eating mm-hmm. or drinking um and right. not really knowing that that was affecting and yes. making my endo flare up yep. um and being able to live without that and go between cycles and you know just live a more comfortable life yes it's it's worth it. I agree. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up here? I would just say if you're listening and you're just starting your endo journey, you know, stay strong, um, look for those communities. It's hard at the beginning, but you'll get through. We've all been there. Um, and I know it sounds like we might have it all together, but we don't, it's, it's a, work in progress um this disease is something that's evolving and you know we're all doing our best and if you're somebody who's been doing it for a long time or maybe if you thought of uh maybe reaching reaching out to melissa and being on the podcast do so like your story matters it matters a whole lot and the things that you might be doing that you think might not be of interest to others believe me (laughs) they're of interest (laughs) Um, we need to hear more and we need to just get the awareness out there to everybody so um just thank you for having me and um 
thank you to all of those who have shared, like I said, their stories, their time, because I have found such great value in hearing others um, tell well, me about thank their you. You've been a wonderful guest and great information, helpful insights. I know that people are really going to gain knowledge from this podcast. And thank you for being brave and willing to share too. I mean, you've gone through a lot in the past couple of years and it's, it's really nice that you're willing to open up and share so other people can hear that. And we really appreciate it. All right, Dora, we'll take care and we will keep in touch. Okay. All right. All right. You too. Hope you feel better. Feel well, yeah, I know. That day. Thank you everyone so much for listening to the Cycle Podcast, episode five. Big thank you to Dora for sharing her very intimate story with us today. And if you're looking for more information about ectopic pregnancy, you can find some informational articles via Google. There is one from the Mayo Clinic that I found that is pretty informational that will help if you're wondering and want more details of what that is. Basically, it's a pregnancy in which the fertilized egg implants outside of the uterus. So if you want more details, Google has that for you. Again, I appreciate you listening. And if you're interested in being on the show, you can email me at melissa at booconsulting.com or you can find me on Instagram at endo underscore lady and let me know. We'll try and set something up. may have a few more episodes with this downtime right now. And I'm also thinking about starting a cycle podcast Facebook group so we can all interact with each other. And then if you have additional questions for myself or the guests, that we would be able to answer them there. So let me know what you think about that. I'm thinking it would be a very easy, fun group to be a part of, informational, and uh, just to help each other and keep the conversation going. Again, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Please stay well. Please stay home if you're listening to this and you're in an affected area of COVID-19. And I wish you the least amount of pain today and all the days coming up. Thank you again for listening.